growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. Is it such that we should, as the bumper sticker says, coexist? Why can't we all just get along? The idea being that, hey, we're all on the same journey. We're all trying to get to the same place. We're all basically the same. Let's just coexist. Have you ever seen one of those bumper stickers that uses different religious symbols to spell out the word coexist? It's not hard to figure out the intended message. All religions are basically the same. So why can't we all just get along? But is it true? Are all religions equally valid? Or is it possible that the world has been deceived? Because we live in a culture that places non-judgmentalism as the highest morality, then any belief system that claims any type of exclusivity is therefore seen as an attack against all of the other belief systems. I'm Rick Freeman. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. We're continuing our series entitled Deceptive Cons, More Than Meets the Eye. It's a series designed to take a look at the deceptions in the world today that are conning people out of all that God desires for them. Today, Pastor Clay is taking on one of the most sinister of all deceptive cons, the belief that all belief systems are equally valid and equally capable of leading a person into a right standing with God. So let's dive in and expose today's deceptive con. Thanks for joining us. Now here's Pastor Clay. There was this young pastor that uh, went to uh, his local post office, a small town where he was pastoring. You know, the kind of town where everybody knows everybody else's business. Y'all know that kind of town? I grew up in a town like that. Uh, my mom knew what I'd been into before I even got home. She already knew whatever it, it had been. So it was that kind of town, and he was new pastor. He was a young pastor. And he went to the post office, and he went inside, and he, he was trying to mail a package, and he was waiting in line. I know, now, I know it's hard to believe that he'd have to wait in line at the post office, um, but uh, he was having to wait in line. And while he was uh, waiting in line, he just engaged in conversation with a, a lady that was uh, standing uh, beside him in the line, and they're just exchanging pleasantries and just talking, and, and uh, of course, being a, a good follower of Jesus and uh, seeking for ways to engage people and change eternal destinies and uh, expand God's kingdom, well, of course, he immediately reached for an iVite card, pulled out an iVite card, and handed it to her and said, listen, ma'am, I don't know if you go to a church, but if you, if you don't, we'd love to have you come to such and such church. And, uh, you know, she accepts it. Uh, you know, she said, well, thank you. I appreciate that. As 99.9% of the people do when you hand them a card. Uh, she said, well, I appreciate it. But she said, but let, let me tell you what, what my philosophy is about uh, all this uh, religious stuff and about how do you get to heaven. She said, I think getting to heaven is uh, basically about the same as uh, getting to the post office. And the pastor said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, uh, you came one direction this morning and you arrived at the post office. I came from another direction this morning and arrived at the post office. All, all these other people around here, they, they came from different directions and different places, but they all arrived at the same place. They all arrived at the post office. After she finished saying this, she, this little sly grin came across her face because she felt like at that moment that she had, had, uh, had presented the perfect argument for uh, the validity of all religions. And the young pastor uh, wisely said, ma'am, there's just one problem with that analogy I don't want to spend eternity at the post office. <laughs> but the question is, is she right? 
Are there many roads to heaven, to a relationship with God? Are there many paths? Are there, are there many different uh, belief systems? And all of them basically lead to the same place? I'll tell you this. It's a very popular position to hold today. Because of the culture that we live in today that places non-judgmentalism, probably as good a way as any to put it, that places non-judgmentalism as the highest morality, and that is the culture that we live in today. Because we live in a culture that places non-judgmentalism as the highest morality, then any belief system that claims any type of exclusivity is therefore seen as an attack against all of the other belief systems. How dare you say that there could be only one way? And so, the deceptive con that we're looking at today is this. All religions are basically the same. As I said a moment ago, it's a popular idea. All religions are basically the same. All roads basically lead to the same place. We're all trying to get to the same place. The question is, is it true? Is it possible that there could be many different belief systems that all end up taking us in the same direction? Is it, is it such that we should, as the bumper sticker says, coexist? Why can't we all just get along? The idea being that, hey, we're all on the same journey. We're all trying to get to the same place. We're all basically the same. Let's just coexist. Well, let's see what God has to say about it. In the book of Joshua, chapter 24 and verse 15. I'm just reading this verse as we begin this morning. Joshua, chapter 24 and verse 15. Uh, Joshua is speaking to the people of Israel under the inspiration of God's Spirit. And he says this, if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Make a choice. You know, you kind of hear the, the same thing from the prophet Elijah on Mount Carmel when, when the, the, the people of God are kind of waning back and forth. Oh, I don't know. You know, and he says, hey, you, got, you have to make a choice. You've got you to choose. You, uh, as somebody once said, the middle of the road is a very dangerous place to stand. You've you got to make some choices. You've got to make some decisions. God has some expectations about that. But uh, I felt like today that as we walk through this that maybe we should... If, if we're exploring this idea, hey, all religions are basically the same. If we're exploring that idea, then perhaps we should look and see uh, what, what are some of the doctrinal beliefs of some of the various religions. Now, let me just say this to you as we're going through this, folks. Obviously, uh, this is in no way, shape, or form an in-depth study. Uh, I, I don't think it's a false characterization of, of other religions that we'll look at. I think I'm just presenting some basic things about that, and, and no doubt I'll forget some of the stuff. But... Uh, we left you some room on the back of your outline. If, if you like to write in some notes, if something grabs your attention, you want to write down, feel free to do so. Uh, but I have deci- I decided let's, let's look at maybe three uh, doctrinal areas, three different areas dealing with, 
with some doctrinal areas. Uh, and, and what some of the various religions, and there are myriads of religions today, we all know that, but maybe what are some, a few of what might be some of the larger religions and, and some of the more recognizable religions of the, of the world, what are some, uh, uh, some characteristics about what they believe that we can look at and say, okay, are they the same? Is it really, are they just saying the same thing, but they're saying in different ways, they're using different names, but is it really the same thing? Let's look at that this morning, and, um, and then you can choose. You can decide for yourself if you have not yet. Uh, we're going to begin uh, this morning with this uh, doctrinal idea, the, uh, eternity. What do different religions believe about eternity? What it is, uh, uh, all that kind of stuff. How you get there, we'll talk about that uh, in, a, in a few moments. But, but just the idea of eternity. What do we know about that? Well, uh, let's start this morning with uh, Hinduism. Hinduism is obviously is an Eastern religion. It's uh, millions and millions of people, uh, billions of people probably uh, follow Hinduism. But in Hinduism, uh, there is no literal heaven or hell. So if we're talking about eternity at this point, in Hinduism, there is no literal heaven or hell. In Hinduism, uh, it's, it's all about the religious or the philosophical idea of reincarnation. Most of you probably have an idea of what reincarnation is, but reincarnation is uh, at... At the biological death of, a, of something, I guess I shouldn't even say a person because it, it would depend, but at, at, at your biological death, um, you are uh, reincarnated. You come back as a, another life form. It might be a person, it might be an animal, uh, it might be a spirit. Depending on, depending on the level of quality or the level of, of goodness that your previous life form uh, achieved. You understand? So uh, you're, you're basically trying to, to move up the reincarnation ladder um, in the hopes that eventually, and this, this just goes on in perpetuity, it just goes on until such point that the soul or the spirit reaches a, a state of, of perfection, a, a release of all stress, a release of all uh, anxiety, a release of all that stuff, and, and, and the soul uh, basically reaches a state of what, what they would refer to as nirvana. And you, you, the, the soul, the spirit, becomes one with the universe. Okay? I don't know. If you got, I, I really don't know. I guess you kind of get absorbed into the, the universal power or energy or, or whatever else. But at that point, then your reincarnation uh, path w- would cease. But how long that takes is it's up to you. <laughs> okay, so that's eternity. Uh, uh, Hinduism. All right. Let's look at uh, Buddhism. And I got a pretty lengthy quote here from a Buddhist teacher, but he said it, uh, explained it better than I could. He says, from a Buddhist point of view, the easiest way to define hell and heaven is that wherever there is more suffering, either in this world or any other plane, that place is a hell to those who suffer. And where there's more pleasure or happiness, either in this world or in any other, other worldly existence, that place is a heaven to those who enjoy their worldly life in that particular place. Buddhists believe that after death, rebirth can take place in any number of possible existences. In other words, Buddhists also connect with reincarnation. A lot of similarities between Buddhism and, and Hinduism. Um, and so you, go, you can go through the, the reincarnation thing again. Um, uh, any number of possible existences. There, uh, this uh, repetitious process goes on endlessly unless one arrives at right view and makes a firm resolve to follow the noble path which produces the ultimate hap, uh, happiness of nibbana, is the way he said it. Uh, I think he was referring 
what we'd call nirvana. It is not justifiable to believe, here it is, not justifiable to believe that such places as heaven and hell are permanent. So for Buddhists, again, there's this reincarnation. The idea is, again, you're trying to, it, it, there's more of a focus on the, on the mental and the spiritual aspect of it, uh, but you're trying to improve yourself. You're trying to, uh, to, to reach this state of ultimate uh, fulfillment in, in through this series of, of reincarnations. Very similar. Some similarities there. Um, uh, there is uh, no God behind the scene of heaven and hell. Notice what they say. Each and every person experiences, according to his good and bad uh, karma, their main idea is character building and mental training. That's the main focus of Buddhism. Character building and mental training. Buddhists can practice their religion. This is the way he put it. I didn't, I'm not, but this is a quote. Buddhists can practice their religion without aiming at heaven or without developing fear of hell. I think that's kind of a at Christianity right there because he's basically saying we don't need to scare people, you know, with hell. We don't have to entice them with heaven. Uh, that that with, this is just all about character building and uh, mental training. That's their idea of eternity. Okay. Um, what do we got next? Islam. Islam. Uh, uh, Islam, is, well, here, I got a few ideas. These are from the Quran. Um, paradise, uh, also called the garden, uh, is a place of physical and spiritual pleasure uh, with lofty mansions, and there's some references there in the Quran, delicious food and drink, and uh, virgin companions uh, called Horus. Uh, 72 of them, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and there are seven heavens or seven levels of heaven uh, in uh, Islam. So uh, Islam does believe in a, uh, uh, a, a resurrection, if you will, of the body. Uh, Islam does believe in um, a judgment to come. Islam, by the way, I uh, guess to give you a little background, uh, because obviously that's a religion that's been in the news a lot uh, here lately and probably will continue to be. Of all what you might consider the major religions of the world, Islam is by far the, the, the newest or, or the youngest. It was founded in the 7th century uh, by a man named Muhammad uh, in Arabia in a, near uh, Mecca, near the city of, of Mecca. Um, uh, Muhammad uh, clearly had some type of understanding of both Judaism and Christianity. And in the reading of his writings and in the Quran, you can clearly see that he borrowed concepts from both Judaism and Christianity as he was forming his uh, doctrine for Islam. Some very drastic differences, but you can also see as you read in there that there are a lot of similarities. Uh, the idea of heaven, or what he would call paradise, the idea of hell, the idea of a judgment, uh, those types of ideas clearly would have been taken from a, a, a Judaic or, or Christian uh, view of, uh, of eternity. So uh, Islam is, that, that's kind of their idea of paradise. Okay, uh, here we go. Uh, Judaism. Heaven and hell, judgment are all concepts that Judaism uh, teaches. There, there are those, certainly have been those, who might deny a literal uh, resurrection. Uh, from from a, a Jewish perspective, there have been those who would not believe in a bodily, physical resurrection. But clearly, uh, heaven, hell, judgment are all concepts that are taught in uh, Judaism. Okay, here we go. Uh, Catholicism. Uh, it teaches uh, the eternal nature of the soul. Heaven and hell are real places. Uh, along with a place known as purgatory, uh, where some, and 
probably most people go to finish paying off their sins is basically the purpose of, uh, of purgatory. Uh, Mormonism. Now, listen to this. This is a, a quote, I think this is from mormondna.com or .org or something. Mormons believe that human beings are children of God. Sounds good. And as such, have within them the potential to become like God. Got it? Let me say it more clearly. We believe that we can become gods. That's that one. <laughs> you know, that would make me... Okay, so what is, what is God all about? And if we're going to be like him, then what do we do? We go about doing after we die. And the logical answer would be that if we become like God, then we would create other planets like this one, and we would populate them with our children, just like God has done with us. So that is part of the, the Mormon concept of eternity, is that, uh, that all, you know, as, at least as I understand it, uh, good Mormons uh, get their own planet someday to uh, populate, which the whole idea originally of, uh, of polygamy, multiple wives, was that was going to come in real handy, because you get to spend your eternity with your family, with all your different wives, and I, mean, I, don't, this is, I don't know how to put it. Mormon wives get to spend eternity having babies. That's what they would get to, to do. But that's part of the concept of the Mormon uh, belief. By the way, uh, Mormonism uh, founded in uh, 1830 by uh, Joseph Smith, a man named Joseph Smith, in uh, Fayette, New York. Uh, uh, Joseph Smith, as the story goes, uh, had this uh, visit from an angel. It's interesting, Muhammad claimed the same thing. It's kind of interesting. Muhammad claimed the angel Gabriel came to him and gave him revelation for this new idea. Um, Joseph Smith says that he was visited by an angel by the name of Moroni. Moroni, as I understand it, then told him uh, where... I don't think Moroni had the tablets. He could have, but I think Moroni told him where some tablets, these golden tablets were buried that had been written uh, some time before by a uh, prophet in the Americas... Uh, North and, and South America, a prophet by the name of Mormon. The prophet's name was Mormon who lived long ago. He wrote on the golden tablets. Uh, he buried them. Moroni said, Joseph Smith, go, here's where they are. Go get them. Joseph Smith goes and gets them and uh, then interprets them, writes the Book of Mormon and, and some other things as a result of those golden tablets. Uh, by the way, uh, the golden tablets, according to Joseph Smith, were written in uh, what he referred to as Reformed Egyptian. Um, just so you know, uh, there is absolutely no evidence that, that any dialect, language, or script known as Reformed Egyptian has ever existed. There, there, other, than, other than Joseph Smith's word, there is no evidence whatsoever of a quote-unquote Reformed Egyptian. And there is zero evidence that the, uh, that the uh, Native American Indians uh, in any way at any time used any type of script known as Reformed Egyptian, which I didn't say this, but that's the Golden Tablet supposedly uh, recounted the uh, Jesus in, uh, experience among the North, North American Indians, or the North and South American Indians. He came to the Indians after he was resurrected, went back to heaven from Jerusalem. Then he went and hung out in the Americas for a while, and that, that, didn't, that sounded mean. Didn't, I, don't, I don't mean it sound mean, I'm just saying that's what he did. He went and hung out in the Americas for a while and, and uh, got, got his belief system started there. So... Um, so that's kind of Mormonism in a, in a rap, I guess. Huh, how about that? Okay. Jehovah's Witness. Are you all with me on all this so far? I know it's a lot. 
Uh, heaven is an otherworldly kingdom, the dwelling place of Jehovah. Hell is mankind's common grave, not a, not a place of torment. Notice the distinction there. All the condemned will be annihilated. So if you're, not, if you're not in with Jehovah's Witnesses, when you die, it's just over. Annihilationism is, is the belief. There is no eternal hell. Uh, only 144,000 uh, people will go to heaven, as cited in Revelation 7:14. Uh, the rest of saved humanity will live forever on a restored earth. So only the 144,000 uh, get to go uh, to heaven. All right. Um, okay, all of those. And then, and then Christianity is the last one. Just, uh, Christianity's concept of eternity is that uh, all men are created uh, to be eternal creatures. Part of the idea of being created in the image of God means that once created, we will live forever in one of two places, uh, heaven or hell. And those are, those are real, those are literal places that all... Uh, men and women will spend eternity in one of those two places. Okay? That's eternity in a nutshell. Um, moving on, but I think you can see even in that that, okay, there's some similarities there, some similarities between uh, Hinduism and Buddhism, similarities between Islam and, and Judaism and Christianity. But I think you can also see that there's some pretty sharp differences uh, in the concepts of eternity in there. Let's look at another one. How about uh, the doctrine of God, just the understanding of God? What, what can we say about that? Well, let's look again at the Hindus. Hinduism. Um, this is a, a quote. There is a remarkable religious tolerance embedded within the pantheon. In other words, almost endless. The pantheon of countless Hindu gods and goddesses. Allowing everyone to experience the divine in the way that suits best at a particular time. In other words, pick your god. Pick any God that you want. Pick, if you're in this mood, if you're in that mood, you know, if, it, if it's uh, Vishnu, if it's, if it's Brahma, if it's uh, Shiva, if it's, and just on and on, just hundreds, myriads of gods. So uh, Hinduism would be a polytheistic belief system. Many, many gods. Okay? Uh, what else we have? Buddhism. What do they believe about God? Well, uh, interesting. Uh, Gautama Buddha rejected the existence of a creator deity, refused to endorse many views on creation, and stated that questions on the origin of the world are not ultimately useful for ending suffering. Rather, Buddhism emphasizes the system of casual relationships underlying the universe which constitute the natural order and source of enlightenment. So always getting back to that, that, that aspect of it. No dependence of phenomenon on a supernatural reality is asserted in order to explain the behavior of matter. Do you understand what he's saying? You don't need a God to, to explain all this. According to the doctrine of the Buddha, a human being must study nature in order to attain personal wisdom regarding the nature of things. In Buddhism, the sole aim of spiritual practice is the complete alleviation of stress in samsara, which is called nirvana. So it's always getting back to that idea. God, oh, yes, not even worry about that. So basically... Um, uh, atheists would make good Buddhists because it's not really about God. That's, it's, not, it's about m- me. It's about me reaching this level of, of perfection and, and stress-free and anxious-free. And I'm going, you know, climbing that, that, uh, that ladder, if you will. Okay? So that's Buddhism. Their, their concept of, of God. So, where the, so the Hindu, where the Hindus were polytheistic, uh, the, the Buddhists are really atheistic. The concept of God is really not. All right. What do the Muslims believe? The Muslim name for God is Allah. You guys have, have heard that before. It simply means, it's Arabic for the God. When they say Allah, they're simply saying 
the God. Uh, Islam uh, belongs to what, is, what would be called a monotheistic faith. They believe, and that, this is the heart of Islam, there is only one God. There is only one, one God. So they reject the tenets of polytheism and they reject the tenets of Christianity and the doctrine of the Trinity. No, God is indivisible. God is only one. Here's a, a, a quote. Allah is the proper name applied to the true God who exists necessarily by himself, comprising all the excellent divine names and attributes of perfection. Allah is one and unique. He has no son, partner, or equal. You know who they're going after there, don't you? That he has no son, partner, or equal. He is the sole creator and sustainer of the universe. Every creature bears witness to his oneness, divinity, and hard word, and to the uniqueness of his attributes and names. His essence does not resemble any other essences. He does not exist in anything, nor does anything exist in him. There is none like unto him. This is God, uh, by the way, uh, the word uh, Muslim, I think that definitely, the word uh, Islam, sorry, the word Islam uh, means submission. That's what the word means. And so a Muslim is literally one who submits. So the, the, the term for a person who practices Islam is Muslim because they are submitting, which is what the word actually means. So it's, it's all about submission. It's all about placing yourself under the authority of, of the one God. Okay. Um, so that's Islam. Judaism, I mean, it's, it's monotheistic. Uh, God is one and God is only one. They would reject the, the, uh, the Christian idea of a triune Godhead. Um, he is all-powerful, everywhere present. He is eternal in his existence. He is the creator of all that is. And he is the one who sustains all that exists. Okay? Um, Catholicism. Uh, basically, it would be some strong similarities between that and what we'd consider uh, Orthodox Christianity. Uh, Catholicism would embrace the idea of a triune Godhead, the Trinity. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, they would uh, embrace the idea that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present, uh, that He is eternal in His very uh, nature, and uh, that, uh, uh, that God is the supreme being of, of all that is. That's what Catholicism would say, uh, which would obviously be very similar to just Orthodox Christianity. Okay, and then uh, Mormonism. Uh, do I have a quote or anything on Mormonism, Tyler? Okay, uh, Mormonism basically deny, would reject the Trinity. Um, they don't believe in triune Godhead. Uh, they believe that God the Father and God the Son both were once humans, just like you and me. And uh, they eventually became gods. They achieved God status um, as a result of being good Mormons, I guess. But, uh, so that's no trinity. Um, God was a man, became a god. All right. And uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Jehovah's Witnesses' beliefs reject the trinity. No trinity, no. Witnesses hold that only Jehovah is God. Jesus was created by Jehovah and is inferior to him. He's less than him. Uh, further teach that the Holy Spirit is a force of Jehovah. So, uh, again, some, some pretty stark differences here. And then last, of course, again, Christianity. God is eternal. He is all-powerful. He's all-knowing and everywhere present. He is creator and sustainer of all that is. He has ultimate authority over his creation. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some similarities between some of them? Yes. Can you see where some of them borrowed from some concepts? Absolutely. But again, you, I think you can see uh, this, this is not the same. There's some differences here uh, that we can see. All right, and then uh, one more idea, salvation. 
We've looked at eternity. We've looked at God. One more doctrinal idea, salvation. Uh, all right, let's, let's start with, with the Hindus. Quite honestly, it's basically an irrelevant term to them. There, there, there's, there is no salvation for the Hindu because there's nothing to be saved from. There's no concept of salvation. In the Hindu belief system, there is nothing, uh, yeah, there's nothing to be saved from. You simply, uh, you know, are moving up the reincarnation ladder, and you're eventually, hopefully, if you're, if you're good, uh, you don't have to go back too many times. You're going to make your way up, and you're going to reach nirvana, and that'll be the end of it. So you're not, it's, it's about you. It's about what you achieve as you're going through. Uh, Buddhism, uh, becoming enlightened is the ultimate goal. Again, remember, there's no heaven, there's no hell. Um, salvation, is, again, is a concept that doesn't necessarily mean anything to them, uh, except that they are uh, they're becoming enlightened. That's the ultimate goal. And they're doing this as they're moving up the reincarnation ladder, which particularly Buddhists, uh, they both would, but Buddhists would certainly really emphasize uh, based on the karma that you produce. Uh, good karma, you move up the reincarnation line. Now, you do good stuff, then good karma comes to you, you get to move up the reincarnation line. Uh, bad karma, you've got to move to the back of the reincarnation bus. You, you're, going, you're going backwards. And, and you're, you're going through this cycle until you. So again, it's about what you're doing, what you're achieving. It's not a real heaven, not a real earth uh, or hell. You're just, you're just going through all this and becoming enlightened. That's the ultimate goal. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Islam, uh, very much a, a, a belief or faith in God and works uh, type uh, salvation. They do believe in an idea of salvation, but those who believe and work uh, righteousness. No burden do we place on any soul, but that which it can bear. They will be companions of the garden therein to dwell. Uh, that's, that's from the Quran. I think about another quote. Um, uh, but those who believe in work, yeah, uh, a Muslim has no assurance of their salvation. Uh, they, they have no assurance of their salvation, uh, but, which, by the way, is one of the precious gifts that Christians have. Uh, a Muslim just has to hope that Allah has mercy on him. He has to hope that his good works outweigh his bad works and that on the day of judgment, Allah just has mercy on him. Allah has a good day or whatever and, and he, gets to, he or she gets to enter in. Um, okay, Judaism uh, stresses the fact that instead of salvation, one's relationship with God has to be based on three elements. Repentance, good deeds resulting from repentance, and a life of devotion. Now, I should say this. When we talk about salvation and we're referring to Judaism, you need to first understand that there's a national element of salvation in Judaism. In other words, uh, Jews tend to think of themselves corporately as a nation, as, as a people group. And in, in Deuteronomy uh, uh, 28 or 29, you read where Moses warns the, the people of Israel, if you go out you know, and, and, you, and you run amok, I'm paraphrasing, Moses didn't say muck, but if you run amok, and, and you get off and you're doing your own thing, then here's what's going to happen. God, God's going to remove his hand of protection. People are going to invade you. People are going to attack you. You're going to be carried off into captivity. Uh, it's going to be rough. Then in, in the following, in Deuteronomy 30, he says, but if you repent, if you come back, then God's waiting for you and he's going he's to save you. He's going to deliver you. So there's this corporate sense of salvation when you, when you talk about salvation among uh, the Jews. But they do also stress individual sin and the responsibility for that sin. But basically what they say is, you got yourself into this mess, you got to get yourself out. You, you're going to have to, you're going to have to repent, you're going to have to turn around, you're going to have to, this might not be the right term to use, but you're going to have to impress God with, you, with your change of life and, and, and get out of this mess that you've made uh, for yourselves. Um, uh, according to Judaism, uh, salvation can be achieved in the following manner. Live a holy and righteous life dedicated to Yahweh, the God of creation. Fast, worship, 
and celebrate during the appropriate holidays. So that is uh, uh, Judaism's idea of salvation. Catholicism, salvation is obtained through faith in Jesus Christ's death on the cross and obedience to the teachings and practices of the Roman Catholic Church. They are, they are connected. There's no question about it. They would say, yes, Christ died for our sins. He made salvation possible. But you also must stay in the good graces of the church. You must be a good practicing Roman Catholic, basically, is the idea. And uh, Mormonism. <clears throat> I, I got, hang with me here because this is a little in-depth, but I need to give this to you. When Mormons speak of salvation, because you, you guys get the knocks at the door, right? You, get, you know the guys in the white shirts and the thin black ties? Got their bicycle parked out against your lamp in your front yard? When Mormons speak of salvation, there are actually two different salvations being discussed. So you need to make sure where they begin. Because the language said, if you've ever, if you ever sat down and talked with a Mormon, you know, in, in about five minutes, you're thinking, well, they believe the same thing I do. But they don't. Uh, two different salvations being discussed. The first is called general salvation. They will commonly refer to this as salvation by grace. That's a term you'll hear. And that sounds good to an Orthodox Christian. Uh, but it's not to be confused with the Christian definition of salvation by grace. This general salvation only refers to a person's immortality and resurrection from the dead. In other words, you're going to live forever and you're going to rise from the dead. That's been provided uh, for you because of, and they would say, because of what Jesus did. It does not refer to where they are going when they die or to what degree. That's a pretty big difference. Basically, it allows for the possibility for one to have a spirit body and to have a spirit children, but doesn't guarantee anything. Okay? That's general salvation. The second type of salvation is called individual salvation. Now, individual salvation is an important one, and as stated in Mormon doctrine, this type of salvation is salvation by works. That's a direct quote. It is salvation by works. So, so Jesus, if you could say, he provided the opportunity for you to be saved. Uh, you're going to be resurrected. You're going to go up. But your life's work is going to depend on on what happens uh, to you. By the way, Mormons don't, uh, don't they do believe in eternal hell, but they don't think many people will will be there because Mormons believe that that if you're not a follower of, of Mormonism, if you're a good person, you still get to get in. That's a pretty good deal. You still get to get in, um, but you just don't get to hang out with God. You get, you get, to, you get to go to heaven and all that stuff, but you don't get to hang out with God because you weren't a Mormon. But if you, were, if you rejected Mormonism and you were a, a bad person, uh, you go to hell, but it's a temporary hell. And then when the resurrection occurs, you, <laughs> it's, it's, you get a get-out-of-hell-free card. You, you, get, you get a chance to repent then and say, yeah, I, I <laughs> don't want to spend any more time here. Um, but if perchance there should be anybody that still rejects, then, then they would stay in hell with Satan. Um, but uh, uh, salvation that gets you into heaven ultimately is a, is a works uh, salvation. Okay? Um, so what exactly are these works that one must do? One woman I spoke with gave me a list. He said the following were necessary for salvation to the highest level. Baptism in a Mormon church, regular attendance at Mormon church, consistent good works, attaining worthiness and engaging in temple work. And, you, know, you hear what it's saying? This is about man. This is about what man does to earn his way. Okay. Let's get to Jehovah's Witnesses. Jehovah's Witnesses' beliefs include uh, what they would call works learning about Jehovah, living a moral life, witnessing to others. By the way, that's why, listen, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, for that matter, let's, let's face it. They shame us, man, on that door knocking stuff, right? But do you, can you see this? Do you understand why? 
Their salvation is dependent on this. They got to knock on that door. Now, I ought to want to knock on the door. (laughs) They got to knock on the door. And obeying God's commands as part of salvation's requirements. Again, you got to work this, work this thing through. You got to figure out how to get it done. Where ultimately, I guess you please God enough that you work off your sins. All right, and then finally, Christianity, uh, what I consider Orthodox Christianity, uh, holds that salvation is a grace gift given by God to anyone who will come to Him the atoning sacrifice of God the Son on the cross. According to Christian doctrine, salvation, listen, cannot be earned. Do you hear a distinction there? Cannot be earned and is not deserved. I'm sorry, there's not a single one of you out here that deserves what God has provided for you or standing on this platform. We didn't have to amen that fast. (laughs) Salvation cannot be earned and is not deserved. Pardon for sin brings with it adoption into the family of God and is therefore permanent. Sorry, now I understand there's some Orthodox Christian denominations that don't necessarily hold to that, but I believe that's the clear teaching of Scripture, uh, hence the name eternal life. If I could lose it, folks, how, why, why in the world do we ever call it eternal life to begin with? That's all I'm asking. I'm just, I'm just saying that. Okay, so uh, uh, listen, that's... Okay, I know that's a lot of information, and I fed it to you, and it really is very brief. I just skimmed the surface and just looked at three doctrines and just a few religions that some of you might be more familiar with than others. Uh, But the point of all this is, I think that you can see that there are, in fact, some stark differences in the belief systems that we have looked at. Some similarities, yes. Can you see where? Yes. But some very distinct differences when we're talking about what eternity looks like and who God is and, and how salvation is obtained or in Christian sense not obtained. How, how, do you, how do you receive salvation? There are some very big differences. So quite honestly, it's just silly for somebody to say that all belief systems are, are basically the same. That's just silly because they're not. Now, having said that, I'm about to say something that's probably going to sound like I'm contradicting myself. Because basically, all religions are the same. Well, I thought you said they weren't. You just went to spent all that time. I almost fell asleep. You just spent all that time showing us that they're not all the same. No. I spent all that time showing you that, that not all of those belief systems are the same. Okay, let me explain what I mean. With the exception of one, all of the belief systems that we just went through, and I realized I didn't go in depth, I understand that, encourage you, study it for yourself, but with the exception of one, every one of those belief systems are what I would refer to as man-centric. They are based on man, on what man achieves, on what man can do, on, even on man's pleasure. That it's about man uh, earning God's approval or impressing God with, with, with what we give or how we sacrifice or, or how much we pray or the way we worship, whatever they call their, whatever particular religion would call their, their God, but it's still all about, about what man is achieving. It is what you would refer to as a works-based religion. That makes it a religion. It is works-based. It is man-centric, all with the exception of one. Only Christianity, and and there are lots of other religions, you can study them too. Only Christianity 
says, you can't do it. You can't be good enough. You can't work for it. This has nothing to do with you other than you receiving what God has done for you. You see, Christianity, ladies and gentlemen, is not a religion of good works. Christianity is a relationship of God's good work, of God's perfect work. All those other belief systems that we've looked at and, and any other ones that you want to find are based on man's attempt to reach up to God. I mean, in the end, to, to give you that analogy, it's based on man trying to reach to God. Only Christianity is based on a relationship where God stooped down to man. Actually came into our presence. Actually became one of us. As God's word puts it in this rather familiar verse, but I'm using the New Living. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Notice, God loved the world so much that he gave. Notice who the emphasis is on? You see the difference, man-centric versus God-centric. There's a big difference there. How about this one, Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, again from the New Living. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward. Watch this. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast. We can't say, ooh, 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 God, look, I I did this, I did that. Oh, no. For we are God's masterpiece. Who did the work? Come on, who did the work? God, that's right. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Do you see the difference? It's not works to get to God. It's God coming to us so that we could then work in a way that would honor him and that would bless the people of the world. That's the difference. Okay, uh, real quickly, let me, uh, let me just give you this this. Last idea, the exclusive claims of Jesus. I want to touch on this um, because you know, we've looked at different religions. We've looked at, you know, there's a difference. I think, I think everybody would agree. There's definitely some differences between what most of those belief systems teach and what Christianity teaches. So they're not the same. We can't say they're the same. We also need to recognize that, that Christianity makes a bold claim of exclusivity. By the way, uh, Christianity is not the only one that makes a bold claim of exclusivity. I should say that. We're the only ones to get hammered for it. But... Uh, Try and tell a radical Muslim that there are many paths to God. He will probably help. No, it's not. Don't, don't say that. Don't. Uh, it, uh, John fourteen six. Jesus told him, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me." Wow, that's exclusive. Wow, talk about not leaving room for anybody else, right? I mean, isn't that? Okay, uh, one more, uh, Acts 4.12. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. There's, there's not, according to Christian doctrine. And, and lots of evidence, proofs go with all that stuff, but according to Christian doctrine, there is no other name. So ladies and gentlemen, God's word is clear. There are not many paths. There are not many roads. There is only one road. And that road goes straight through the cross. Um, Peter, I think, said this 
1 Peter 3, for Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. Boy, do you see that difference there? That he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So we come back, uh, use a different translation, but we come back to where we started. If you think it's wrong to serve the Lord, and I think Joshua, Elijah, you talking to somebody ought to take the same approach. Hey, I believe that Christianity is true. I believe that Christ died and rose from the grave. I believe that there is solid empirical evidence. Yes, I believe by faith, but I believe that it's not faith in a vacuum. It's not check your brains at the door faith. I really believe that this is true. You make up your mind. You choose which one you think is true. If you think it's wrong to serve the Lord, choose today whom you'll serve. Choose the gods your fathers worship on the other side of the river or choose the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. We've made our choice. We've made our choice. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that a choice is even available to us based not on what we have done, but what you have done. Uh, I'm very conscious, Lord, that it is, um, it is not, uh, when you begin to, to talk about there being an exclusive way uh, to you that is, in our culture is considered very uh, intolerant of others and, um, and discriminatory even against others, uh, Father God. But the truth of your word is the truth of your word. And I didn't claim that you were the exclusive way uh, until you claimed it, Lord God. Lord Jesus, you yourself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. So it has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with us deserving it. it has nothing to do with us earning it. it. has nothing to do with us being worthy. And that's what separates true Christianity from every other religion and ism in the world. I really believe that at their core, they're all man-centric. They're all about earning the right or being good enough or giving enough. Or, and that has nothing to do with my salvation. It is simply your grace gift. Extend it to me. If I would receive this gift that you offer to me by acknowledging my sinfulness and my inability to do anything about it and believe by faith that even as we, as we were worshiping this morning, even as we talked about, that believing by faith that you atoned, that you paid for my sin debt so that I might be made alive unto you and have all the rights and privileges that go with being called a child of the living God based not on my merit, based not on my effort, based not on anything except the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. God, can we ever thank you enough? We'll spend eternity praising you and thanking you for that. Whatever all heaven and eternity will look like, I don't know what all will be like. There's great mystery there. But whatever all it will be, I pray that part of it will be just praising you and thanking you throughout all of eternity for this glorious, magnificent gift called grace. Well, as Pastor Clay showed us in today's message, all belief systems are definitely not the same. Religion tries to impress God. Religion tries to earn God's favor. But God's word is clear that no person can come to God that way. Jesus made the way for all people to have a relationship with God. It's not based on our good works. It's not based on religious efforts. It's based solely on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. There's nothing we can add to it. We can simply admit that all of the man-made efforts will never be enough. 
God's sacrifice for our sins is the only path to a right relationship with Him. As Pastor Clay pointed out in today's message, all religions might be the same, but a relationship with Jesus is something very different. We're glad you spent some time with us for this week's Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our everyday lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh. But instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone and everyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.